Bones and Bobbins podcast is now on Patreon. Hooray! Would you like access to bonus episodes, digital extras, exclusive merch, and more? Then join us in the Curiosity Shop at patreon.com backslash bones and bobbins. Your generous support helps make the show happen and will also earn you our very eternal gratitude and entry into our private Patreon-only Facebook group, which is where the fun shit happens. Seriously. Best Facebook group ever. I will thumb-wrestle anybody that says otherwise. Thumb-wrestling? Yeah. That was not my expected response, but I'll stand with it. It wasn't my expected one either. I'm not sure where it came from, but I'm still with it. (laughs) No, I, I, I like it. In a dusty old shop on a forgotten old street, you'll find two witches with books three boxes deep. Next to rusty old needles and faded red thread, you'll come in for yarn, but leave with pigments instead. Whether poisons or patterns, we're always discreet. Where creepy and crafty and morbidity meet. Welcome to the Bones and Bobbins podcast. Hello, morbid makers. We are your slightly creepy, mildly disconcerting, somewhat sinister, delightfully discomposed, opaquely odd, merrily morbid, marvelously misanthropic hosts. And this is Bones and Bobbins, Season 3, Episode 1, The Princesses Are Not Okay. No. No, they're not. (laughs) I'm Haley from Red Handled Scissors and the Very Serious Crafts Podcast, and I go by she and her. And I'm Natalie from Uber Dark Designs, an official true crime creative, and my pronouns are she and her. Huzzah pronouns. Huzzah, indeed. Speaking of huzzah. Oh, yes, we have some very important news to share with all of you. Very important, indeed. Um, so you can now refer to both of us, collectively or individually, as her ladyship. Indeed. We are motherfucking ladies. (laughs) We got titles and shit. We got land. (laughs) It's true. In Ireland. In Ireland, yes. We we have a... We, um, purchased... (laughs) Uh... An Irish title, I shit you not, on Groupon. Yes. Um, <laughs> and it was just so funny, and it was just so inexpensive. It was like, what, $8? Something like that, yeah. That I just couldn't say no. And then I told Natalie, and she also couldn't say no, and so... We spent most of that day cracking up at each other about our new titles. And my personal um, certificate of that title arrived. And it um, is prepared for framing. Which I don't think I'm going to do. But we'll see. Mine has not yet arrived, but I live in the middle of nowhere, so... 
That is not surprising. Uh, but it was just the perfect <laughs> way to kick this year off. It just really was. Um, yep. It was the perfect amount of uh, just running headfirst into to to fun and 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 lightheartedness and crazy adventures. Yeah. We decided to go into 2022 with what the hell why not right, energy. Exactly. And I mean before anybody sends us an email, yeah, yes, we absolutely do know that actual inherited titles are something that the crown gives to you or yeah, you it's just get a land ownership uh, we, yes yeah, yeah. The, this is the most technical version of being a well lady in our case but a lord a landlord so we already know but it's still fucking delightful it and is. like i could sign that shit on contracts exactly and that's just fun like yeah it's sort of the reason like the same reason that i want to go to mortuary school just because well a it would be fun and interesting but also i just want to add comma undertaker (laughs) to my business card (laughs) oh especially with the lady too that's what i'm saying that is exactly what i'm saying so look in reality this is just part of our plot to take over the world just you know kicking yeah off. if i fly oh what is it uh british airways mm-hmm. we can, ooh, we can now put lady as our honorific oh. when making um airline reservations which yes. is fun and there are weirdly instructions on how one might get it on their passport Ooh. Um, it is, hmm, it's possible, it's probably significantly more possible for me in New York, because it requires some, eh, not exactly proper things. So slight it's like, it's like Prince being called Prince. Gotcha. Um, like, uh, you have to show that the name that you go by is the name by which you are recognized. It's a whole thing. Anyway, I looked it up. Nobody needs to know that unless you, too, <laughs> want to be involved, and I don't intend to go that route. But how fun is that? It's we just decided, fun. you know, whatever, today we're going to become ladies. This is my my whole thing for this year is um, actually doing the shit I say I want to do. Like there's, I have a stack of things. It's like, oh, I want to do that. I want to learn this. I want to, no, like I'm not hesitating anymore. I'm not letting me like overthinkery overthink it too much. I'm trying yeah. to rein that in and just at least once a month do something crazy, not crazy pants, crazy pants, but just something that is like. This is what I want to do. This is what I... For the joy of doing it. Right. Right, right. Yeah. My therapist made me make a list um, entitled Things I Actually Want to Do. Nice. And that is my goal for this year. It's to 
to have fun, to play. Yes. Because uh, I'm, well, because I'm not okay mental health wise, and I think a lot of other people are also oh, not okay. I am a hundred percent not okay, but being not okay yes. is okay. Like I would worry if you were okay, because even being okay right now. I mean, I've okay. been okay for a lot longer than most people, because I am predisposed to not i mean i have agoraphobia i often do not want to leave where i live for extended periods of time so that has been very helpful but still nobody's fine yeah right now yep, yep. Um, neither was our technology so oh my god we are recording nope. on different programs different computers hopefully the audio yeah. will be super good on this because we are kicking it off uh but at the same time, I want to toss that disclaimer out there that Mercury, she, she's she got jokes. She's got jokes. She's, oh, my goodness. Both my laptop and my desktop refused to do the things that they do at the same time and in different ways. And... Luckily, I live in New York, and someone brought me a brand new laptop within two hours, which is magical, but also, like, I didn't really want a new laptop. I wanted a new desktop, but the new ones aren't out yet, and it always happens that mine die immediately before the new one comes out. Mm And so, whatever. That, it is a complaint that is an utter bullshit complaint. But, uh, oh, I started Dungeons and Dragons stuff. I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah, I joined a group of people playing cat D&D, which is very specifically each person playing a character based on one of their own cats. And so now I'm um, I'm not gonna surprise you with this, I'm sure, but you know that I've got all the stuff. I have hoarded the things to make resin dice. And I may have figured out how to put cat hair into your dice so you can oh my God. <laughs> I can do a custom set. I'm just I will say, weirdly enough, you might be surprised to know that my dice are just solid, standard blue with white numbers. Oh, wow. I, they are crisp and clean, and they look like um, old school label tape. Oh, And I like them. Um, so yeah, it's weird. I... I expected to be over the top with sets of dice, but no, I actually just, oh, my spouse came home just now. Of course. Because that's exactly what happens. It's all right. It's all right. Mm Mm-hmm. But anyway, so I will be playing uh, Detective Inspector Jack Robinson, um, otherwise known as My Kitten Jack. Because she is completely different than I am. In every way. I love it. I love it. I'm so excited. Me too. Shall we get on this nonsense? Sure, sure, sure. All right. Uh, 
actually, we would like mm-hmm. to take a quick break to thank all of our fantastic Curiosity Shop members over on the Patreon. And yes, this is where we generally give a totally normal and not at all creepy welcome to our newest members. Today, we are actually giving a special shout out to Patrick for doubling his support. Holy shit, Patrick, that is so nice of you. Seriously, just absolutely amazing. And I could smooch your face. Yeah, that makes me very happy. Yes. Because especially... Patrick, mm-hmm. though all of our patrons, obviously, are the best. The best. And we would totally go explore hidden old graveyards in the woods with you in 2022. Yeah. Absolutely. And if you want in on this fun, not only are you going to get some really great surprises that we're working on, like, yeah, that's right, this time I get to actually put one out there. Uh, February 12th, I am doing a knit-a-thon to raise awareness for food insecurities. It's a national um, knit-a-thon, so it's, I'm participating in it. Funds go to Feeding America, World K- Central Kitchen, No Kid Hungry, and Meals on Meals. So cool. I get to craft for 12 hours straight. And what better way to do that than maybe with some of like our patrons hanging out, crafting. There could be, you know, like a... F- Maybe a Facebook Live or something. Yep, a little Facebook Live. Maybe watch some some fun stuff while doing it. So I think that'll be kick- I like it. That'll be kicking it off. Also, you get a huge backlog of Patreon-only episodes. including So many. Yes. Including next week where we talk January auction oddities. Going once, going twice. Maybe just keep going. Yes. Yes, so. correct. And, you know, um, check it out. If you don't like us, you don't have to stick around. We're not for everyone. If you want to just come listen to the backlogs then, and then both, that's okay, too. We're, we, we're really easy breezy on that. Man, don't give them an out. <laughs> come on. <laughs> this is 2022. We're just letting it, letting it ride. Yeah. It's fine. It's fine. You love us. Yes. I mean, <laughs> we are pretty fucking delightful. <laughs> yep. Except for my vocal fry and baby talk. <laughs> Seriously, we've not heard back. We've not heard. I just, the baby talk is the thing that totally. I think it's the, and don't run with scissors but at the end. That's not like baby talk. And also you got that far. So clearly we weren't that bad. Because I, I don't know. the last thing. I don't know. Like I'm all for constructive criticism. I just, that one threw me off. <laughs> I don't understand that. Well, I guess it will just remain funny. It will. It will indeed. So, um, which one of us would like to start off on this adventure of <laughs> princess hijinks? Uh, that's a good question. I'm open. I'm open to either way. I have no preference. All right. Well, let me tell you about Alice Roosevelt. Because then we can mute me if needed, if Jeremy needs to come out and eat dinner. Okay. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure how the existence of Alice Roosevelt sort of went right over my head or slipped through the cracks of history or whatever. 
But I have very recently become aware of her. And... Oh my goodness. She's... Yeah, I'm really excited Something. about this. She... Yeah. She's basically... Uh, she was nicknamed Princess Alice. Um, and she's basically... <laughs> The leader of the first kid brat pack, essentially. <laughs> I mean, that's what I would say. Nice. Um, yeah, she was, was quite something. <clears throat> at first glance at old photos, two things become immediately clear about Alice Roosevelt. She's probably up to no good, and she's definitely extraordinarily hot. <laughs> nice. I mean, really hot. Like, not even context of history hot. Just straight up hot. Nice. Get it, Alice. Yeah. Exactly. She was an intelligent woman with a wicked sense of humor and enough charm, generally speaking, to shimmy her way out of most of the incidents <laughs> that she caused Shouldn't relatively Yes, relatively unscathed. And these combined facts would make her role as, or her eventual role as first daughter, interesting. We'll leave it at that. (laughs) In short, she was a bad bitch, and I'm pretty sure that we'd get along, assuming that she, as a lifelong Republican, would be equally appalled at what's going on in the current governmental dumpster fire, even if our individual politics don't align perfectly. Although the Republican Party was a very different thing um, in 1901. Right, it was almost the opposite, right? They kind of flip-flopped. Yeah, yeah. I mean, on, on many things, yes. But... I decided not to take a deep dive into that because then I would be talking for three hours. (laughs) So I'm not going to. Alice Roosevelt Longworth. Longworth? I don't know why that was hard to say. Alice Roosevelt Longworth. Originally, Alice Lee Roosevelt was born on February 12th, 1884 in New York City. And her father was future president Theodore Roosevelt, and at that time he was a New York assemblyman. Her mom, who was also named Alice, unfortunately passed away two days after she was born from a condition that she had previously had that was exacerbated by her pregnancy. That's so much built-in trauma, man. Yeah. And on that very same day, uh, Teddy Roosevelt's mom also died. Oh, wow. Yep. So his, his wife and his mom died, leaving him with a two-day-old newborn, and he was 25. Oh, wow. Yeah, and I mean, he was clearly heartbroken, And he forbade the use of his late wife's name around him, which was a little bit awkward, given that he had a brand new daughter named Alice. Um, 
but eh, you do what you need to do. And so to honor his grief, she was referred to by like family and family friends as Baby Lee using her middle name. Mm. But it seemed that it was always Baby Lee, not ever Lee, but (laughs) very specifically Baby. Um, I'm not really sure why they bothered with the nickname, though, because Roosevelt seemed to think that the best thing to do after losing his mother, his wife, and while having a newborn was to fuck right off to Dakota Territory. And... Dakota Territory is exactly as cringy as you'd expect, and obviously did not come even close to doing right by the indigenous folks whose land it encompassed. Mm. That is a a whole rabbit hole of wow politics is involved in a lot of things, and many states, and yikes. So... Go ahead and Google Dakota Territory if you want to get real in the weeds, but know that what you are thinking is probably close enough. It was not ideal. But as cringy as the place that Teddy Roosevelt decided to spend the next several years... Um, away from his newborn. Uh, That was actually kind of fine because he left Alice with her awesome spinster aunt instead and she called her aunt Auntie Bye. um, B-Y-E. And it's because she traveled so much. Oh. Um, But like in a in an endearing way. Um, I don't know. She, whatever it was, Alice spent those formative years growing up with her aunt, who, by all reports, loved her unconditionally and was excellent to her and raised her very, very well. But. <sighs> Things get complicated when things have gotten complicated. Yeah. Yeah. So eventually Theodore Roosevelt would remarry, which is very common for widowers of that time, or generally speaking, but certainly very, very common if you were a widower with a young child at that time. And Edith, her dad's new wife, who had also been a romantic rival of Alice's now-dead mom, um, sort of stepped into the picture, and it was not all sunshine and rainbows. Because even though Alice was only a few years old at the time of the marriage, I mean, she was a toddler. Yeah. There seemed to be just a whole lot of jealousy and coming from Edith and I think it was about Alice's mother having been a rival but bitch you won right um like she gone it's not like she gonna come back and try to 
Yeah, I think the fond memory of her was not an acceptable thing to Edith. Um, and Edith needs uh, to get over herself because... Edith does. But because of that weird jealousy sort of thing, even though you might have expected a toddler to sort of fit right in with family life as they continued to grow their family, it just didn't happen. A motherly bond didn't form. And... Which is sad. It is sad. But kids can tell that stuff. You know what I mean? Like, kids... Oh, they... They pick up on everything. And if Edith was being... Like, shitty about, you know, Alice's mom. She's going to know that, and she's going to be like, you know. Oh, no, she was being shitty directly about Alice at this point. Oh, Edith. So, right. At age 15, when her father was governor of New York, her dad and stepmom threatened to send her to Miss Spencer's school in Manhattan, which is a place that shows up in an awful lot of novels. Oh, no. Um <laughs> But was a real place. Maybe it's still a real place. I don't actually know. Um, but they threatened to enroll her in Miss Spencer's school because it was known to be very, very strict. And they wanted to prevent her from causing additional trouble. She responded to them by letter because that is how you re- responded to any news at that time. By saying... In writing, quote, if you send me, I will humiliate you. I will do something that will shame you. I tell you, I will. <laughs> She's 15. Yeah, yeah, that sounds about 15. Uh, yep. <laughs> she did not end up attending the school. I mean, she's brilliant because that's how you get to them. I mean... Right. Well, interestingly enough, Alice never did have any formal education. She was very smart and grew up with money and grew up around politics and culture and was certainly literate and probably had all of the foundational knowledge that most people would have gotten at a school, but... Like, that doesn't seem to have harmed her. Additional unflattering quotes about Alice include a friend of her stepmom describing Alice as, quote, like a young wild animal that had been put into good clothes. Damn! That's way harsh. This is young teen Alice, just for the record. (laughs) Um, At 14... Her stepmom called her a, quote, gutter snipe who roamed D.C., quote, uncontrolled with every boy in town. Wow. Gutter snipe. Yep. And according to her younger half-sister, Ethel, she was, quote, a hellion capable of doing almost anything to anyone at any time. (laughs) I kind of... I'm kind of here for Alice. I don't know. Like, I don't... <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like so, Alice is getting kind of a bad rap. And she deserves some of it. 
So Alice wasn't without problematic behavior that went what I would say is a step or so beyond regular rebellious teen hijinks. I mean, as a teenage goth, I recall regular teenage hijinks. Yeah. And, like, the drama of that. So much drama. And she, she seems to have all of the drama, just none of the black lipstick. Ugh. Yeah. So, here are a couple of things that make me go, mm, maybe you're just kind of being an asshole right now. Yeah. And one of those was, um, she is said to have danced upon hearing the news of McKinley's assassination. Oh. With, well, his death yeah. after an assassination attempt, um, which took her father from the vice presidency to the Oval Office. Yeah, that's not cool. No, although it isn't dissimilar to what happened when JFK was assassinated. Like, there's got to be an awful lot of mixed feelings. Yeah. Um, when you are all of the sudden the president. Yeah. And, like, your family is suddenly thrown into something that is inarguably exciting. Yeah, it's like... Even though it comes out of unspeakable tragedy. Right. So, but that was an asshole move. Don't, yeah. don't do no. that, Alice. Um, I think that... Personality-wise, she was probably the kind of kid who would today misspell Satan as Satin in spray paint graffiti under a bridge. (laughs) That is my thought. Um, Jeremy's hometown has a very prominent um, hail Satin. (laughs) (laughs) That is... My favorite. I mean, satin is a bitch to work with, but <laughs> no, I agree. Um, she self-described her religious beliefs as pagan, which I mean, yeah, girl, me too. <laughs> but unfortunately, she also described Christianity as quote sheer voodoo. Obviously, that was for shock value, Mm -hmm. but equally obviously, she had no idea what she was talking about and disrespected a belief system that wasn't hers to disrespect. Right. And, I mean, she's also, like, 16, 17 at this point. I mean, I know... Like, it's it's really hard to draw the line between at which point... Like, she almost certainly knew she was being an asshole. Right. But could she appreciate the entirety of what she was talking about? Mm, No. But also probably nobody else in her circle could either. Yeah. Because I sincerely doubt that, like, I don't know, Crowley was bouncing around in there. (laughs) Yeah, I remember Um, being, I mean, I bucked. I buffed Catholicism every chance I could get growing up. And I... Oh, yeah. You know, and I I remember uh, being in confirmation class (laughs) and and going, you know, you want us to stand up in church and uh, swear we're going to be Catholics for the rest of our lives? 
but you've not taught us anything else. I think maybe we should just take a trip down some other religions to make sure we're making the right choice. That was not. That went well. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> yep. Um, one of I think that our um, collective youth pastors slash priests would probably get along very well <laughs> in lamenting us. <laughs> Uh, one of my former stricter of the uh, CCD teachers, uh, her daughter turned out to be like super pagan. <laughs> that happens. Which just tickles me to this day because that woman was a <laughs> nightmare. <laughs> uh, yeah. That makes me smile. That is... Largely harmless schadenfreude. Right, right, right. But yeah, I mean, religion's tough. You don't really get it. And, and I think the joy well, of Well, also belief- religious culture. Right. Like, the meeting of those two things, especially when race and heritage and, you know, slavery and privilege. enslaved people, yeah. privilege, all of this, like that's I I have the internet and I do not feel qualified to explain all the reasons that she probably shouldn't have done that right so um she probably also did not have all of those reasons in her mind but it was still an asshole thing to say still asshole yeah but not I don't think intentionally as asshole-ish as it turned out to be. That makes sense. Yeah, I, I'm not sure that she meant malice to people who practice right. voodoo. I think she meant to piss off her dad. Oh, for sure. <laughs> or more likely her stepmom. <laughs> oh, well, both. Yeah. Because she really wanted attention from her dad. Yeah. Um, like Alice really, really looked up to her dad and really loved him. And like, it was, uh, well, we'll get into how she felt a little bit later, but here we are now at 17 years old, Alice becomes the first kid. It's 1901. And she would very quickly be nicknamed princess alice because i mean she was a very vividly existing human being in the news at the time so i i kind of get that um now the weird thing is usually the press largely shy away from hounding the presidential children but alice was a tornado of scandal so, apparently that did not apply to her, but also it seemed like everyone was scandalized, but like, ooh, tell me more, scandalized, <laughs> uh, um, and like, would get blustery for just the the idea of getting blustery about a damn woman doing fill-in-the-blank thing. Um, so, 
apparently, if the president and his wife ever wondered what Alice might have been up to the previous night, because remember, this is when newspapers came multiple times a day. Right. Um, all they needed to do was open the paper at breakfast. <laughs> because she was on the front page so frequently that important stories would be pushed. So because she, she sold papers. So she's like the original yeah. Blake Lively character in Gossip Girl. <laughs> I have no idea who that is. But, um, I mean, that's what made me think of the Brat Pack. Yeah. Like, she's oh, very... Totally. She's very clearly that, and she was hanging out with also the other, like the Vanderbilts and stuff like that. Like, she, they were up to no good in, uh, in a swarm, I think. (laughs) Yeah. Um, A small list of things that Alice did to scandalize the public is where we're headed next. Her father was concerned that her ill behavior might sour his chances in the next election. In response to this, she smoked in public. She had been smoking inside, but her dad forbade the use of cigarettes inside because apparently people were being scandalized by seeing her smoke inside. And so instead... She climbed onto the White House roof to smoke. (laughs) Yep. So if uh, anybody's read Red, White, and Royal Blue, Mm -hmm. the joke they make about wondering if Alice Roosevelt was the person who wrote the graffiti. That makes sense now. um, Because she was up there smoking. So, um... Which, again, kind of just makes me giggle. It does. I mean... Uh, and there is the the parent of teenagers side of me that's like, oh my god, she's gonna fall off and die. Um, I di- I guess I she didn't, didn't realize that uh, smoking, the women smoking, were was so taboo then. I uh, I mean, in public, I I don't think it was till like the s- late fifties, early sixties when it was a marketing. Mm thing like for weight loss and like when it became nine out of ten doctors smoke <laughs> palm oils or whatever the fuck is that even i think that's a real that one um sounds real. anyway so the no smoking backfired you could say we'll bet yeah she chewed gum <gasps> yeah. she wore pants get it and keep in mind this is like 1901 yeah, that's Yeah. She owned a car that her father, for reasons beyond me, bought for her. (laughs) And I can't be sure because I can't find where I originally read it, but I think it was red. Um, And even if that's not true, I want it to be, but it's also 1901, so I have no idea. I thought it was just black then, but... Yeah. But she would get in a lot of trouble because she insisted upon racing her car down Washington, D.C. streets. <laughs> yep. Sometimes in that car 
there were horror of horrors. Unchaperoned boys! <gasps> no! I am clutching my pearls! <laughs> yeah, that, that came up a lot. She also placed bets on racehorses and was photographed collecting winnings from bookies. <laughs> yeah. Um, she would also march into the Oval Office in the middle of meetings that her father was having, like smoking a cigarette and causing a fuss. It didn't really matter what was going on. In the Oval Office. She would just march in. <laughs> like the teenager she was. And, yeah, it, she... She was a lot. Um, but even though she was so scandalous for the time and for being a woman in the time, everyone still wanted to marry her anyway. I mean... So... Yeah, I, I mean, she was fun and she was hot. I was gonna I, say, I she feel seems like that's appealing. fun. <laughs> yes. So, when he took office, the newly named President Roosevelt is said to have remarked to um, Owen Wister, who is a famous author, quote, I can be President of the United States or I can attend to Alice. I cannot possibly do both. <laughs> and that right there is my favorite presidential quote that has ever and will ever exist. I, I have to say Because same. that is a man who knows he has been bested. Yeah. And is just like, you know what? I have other things to do. She's just going to have to go do her thing because I have a job. It's it's fine. So, yeah. She was, however, because she was the daughter of the president, she was known for her wit and political influence. And she was also sent, maybe somewhat surprisingly, on trips as part of like congressional junkets and things like that <laughs> they let her out <laughs> they sent her with them on purpose um so before we get to there i think that this really uh, her diaries are in the Library of Congress. Oh, and can we read them? Are there printed copies uh, elsewhere? I'm not sure. Um, I am just reading a quote from someone who... Because I would read those. ...went to Library of Congress and read them. I'm in the Library of Congress multiple times. Because you're amazing. Isn't that fun? Um, anyway, that is totally normal for the record for people who have written books. <laughs> That is a normal thing. Um, not fancy. So in her diary, she wrote, quote, Father doesn't care for me. That is to say, one-eighth as much as he does for the other children. 
Uh, apparently ink smudges mar many of the pages. And they seem like they might have been teardrops. Oh, Alice. Yeah, um, and she also wrote, I pray for a fortune. I care for nothing except to amuse myself in a charmingly expensive way. <laughs> and you know what, Alice? Same. Me fucking right. too. <laughs> yep. Alice is coming in hot with the 2022 energy. <laughs> yes. Although that was in the same diary entry as Daddy Loves the Other Children, Not Me. Yeah. Uh, and I mean... It's totally understandable why she's acting out. It's also totally understandable, although I don't agree with it, how the stepmother is handling things. Like, I see where everyone's coming from, but, like, that didn't have to happen. Right. As having teenagers that have a step-parent, a step-sibling, and a Mm half-sibling, and have been treated as the proverbial bastard stepchildren compared to the others and just seeing that hurt like that's that's stuff that's tough stuff that is tough stuff it is tough and like i have a stepmom mm-hmm. and my dad got married when i was 11 i think um and i remember it I remember being just old enough to understand that it was a delicate dance. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, my stepmom's great, but it took a while for that to be fine. But Alice was a toddler. Right. I mean, I just keep coming to the fa- back to the fact that Alice was a baby. Right. Like, calm your shit. Like, especially once they started having a family of their own. There is absolutely no reason to not just build the family around having Alice already. Right, like, right. Like, I... I, I, I mean, there to, wasn't an excuse not to anyway. Right. I just kind of want to punch Edith a little bit. Like, because I think yeah, that yes. there's a lot there. Um, I just got my kids therapy. <laughs> well, Alice... Didn't get therapy so much as she got sent off to the Far East. Um, Despite her obvious familial difficulties, the public was, like I said earlier, pretty charmed by Alice. And she traveled along with the congressional junket in 1905 to the Far East. Future president but current Secretary of War, William Howard Taft, was, I shit you not, Alice's chaperone. Wow. Which, yeah. Um, Here's a small list of things that Alice did on that trip. On a train to San Francisco, she set off firecrackers on the back platform and shot her revolver out of the train at telegraph poles because it was the 4th of July. Oh, God. Yep. She set off firecrackers on a train and then, like, she had, like, her revolver. Apparently, Alice <laughs> was strapped 
all the time. Yeah, I I want to know more about that. I want to know if it has mother of pearl inlay and such. I bet it does. Um, once on the ship to Japan, she jumped fully clothed in a white linen suit into the swimming pool. Now, I don't know how familiar everybody is with linen. But let's just say it's not the most concealing of garments. Oh, no, it is not. No. No. Um, and she was basically also treated like a royal princess wherever they went, um, wherever the delegation had meetings. She was sort of the distraction. Mm-hmm. So they could get down to business, um, like the business of politics, while it would look like just a, like, goodwill ambassador, basically, going to visit these places. Yeah. And so it was actually a really fucking brilliant political move, because Alice was trouble, but she was charming trouble. (laughs) And she grew up with the manners. Like, she grew up with money. She grew up in top-tier households. And so she knew how to behave and could choose to. Um, And so she did, I guess. And other monarchs and heads of state who didn't know what to do with her treated her like a princess of any empire. And showered her with a huge quantity of gifts i mean you can't beat that no and she also started to hang out with ohio congressman nicholas longworth they were uh quickly engaged and then married in 1906 taft gave up on chaperoning her Almost immediately. Because it just... He just couldn't do it. So, um... Yeah, said Ohio congressman was known for his drinking and philandering and also being 15 years older than her. I... This wasn't a love match, for sure. Um... She described the flowers for the wedding ceremony as, quote, like a funeral parlor. But the press covered it like a royal wedding because that is how the press had been treating her this whole time. And neither Alice nor her new husband married for love. Alice wanted independence. I assume the congressman wanted Alice. So, <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, Alice would later note that when she thanked Edith, her stepmother, for the wedding, while she was preparing to leave the White House with her new husband, Edith told her, I want you to know that I'm glad to see you go. You were, you've never been anything but trouble. Damn. Like, fuck you, lady. Seriously. Yeah. And so just to round out the general hijinks of Alice 
and her life. Um, she is infamous for several stunts <laughs> that she pulled. Legend has it, although it's very hard to find specific sources um, that are not heard from a place because someone said mm. a thing. Um, but legend has it that she disliked Mrs. Taft so much that when William Howard Taft took office as president, Alice buried a voodoo doll of Mrs. Taft in the White House garden. Oh, shit. And she was banned from the White House for the entirety of the Taft administration. <laughs> <laughs> and that's true. That is absolutely true that she was banned from the, the Taft White House. Um, she also had a pet snake okay. named named Emily Spinach, oh my God, um, <laughs> who would apparently go to parties. Now, I've heard two versions of this story. One, it's a garter snake, and, you know, it just hangs out, coiled around her arm, and, you know, is a snake, being a snake. And... That sounds kind of great to me. Yeah. I like it. Um, and another version of the story has Emily Spinach being a boa constrictor. That's a little more frightening. I mean, I not a baby one, I guess. But I don't know. So... Details on that are really hard to pin down, even though it's kind of my favorite of That's the stories. Amazing. Yep. But the best one, and the one that probably everyone who is listening to this particular Creepy Crafty podcast knows about, is that um, Alice, then Mrs. Longworth, had a pillow in her home that was embroidered with the legend... If you can't say something good about someone, sit right here by me. <laughs> and there's, I found a photo of her holding the pillow. Um, and yeah, I, I feel like I need to do a, a reproduction of that design possibly for our patrons. I was going to say, I think that would be a really good. Yeah. Um, so Alice died February 20th of 1980 at 96 years old Aww. in Washington, D.C. And she never apologized for any of the things she got up to and loved telling stories about her previous uh, acts of hijinks and gleeful no good. So... I kind of like that about about her. Like, very interesting. And she continued to sort of be part of the fabric of the political glue because she could bring people together. She was charming. She was also interesting. And you wanted to sit next to her. Right. Because she would gossip. But she also wasn't hiding that she was doing any of that. Right. She was... So... Yeah, like she wasn't, I wouldn't say she was talking behind people's backs. She was talking in front of their face. <laughs> yeah. 
And in her life, she was known as Washington's Other Monument, which I think is kind of great. Um, And I believe there is a biography about her that has that as the title. I kind of love her. So that's Alice. I do kind of love her. I also kind of love her. I mean, she's not without her problematic bits, Mm -hmm. but all of us have them. We're all fucked. And I would have hung out with Alice. Oh, absolutely. But, yeah, she was, she was quite something. And I didn't even touch on most of the stories about her because there are just too many. And she was just so involved in parties and with high-ranking families and political dynasties that... There are some stories in there. There's got to be some amazing stories. Oh, yeah. And I would just like to um, cast some shade at anybody who talked about the Obama girls looking bored and or wearing skirts slightly too short. Yeah, right. Let's uh, hop on over and visit Alice Roosevelt. (laughs) Or didn't Ford's kids smoke pot on the White House roof? Like, it... There's a lot of... Well, and it's the thing is that you have... Most places don't report on the first kids. Right. Ah, there was a re- there was once a respect line in there, I think. Yeah, and I think there should be. Although I think that Alice, I think there should be unless there's a reason for there not to be. Right. Like scandal for the sake of scandal doesn't make any sense to me. Right. Especially with um, kids. I mean, like don't ruin some kid's life because they did something stupid and teenagey. Right. But um, Alice clearly courted that sort of um, uh, attention from the media and from literally everyone around her. She wanted that attention. Right. And she acted out specifically to be dramatically over the top. And so that looking away from the first family was suspended where she was concerned for that reason, I think. But... Um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, and they are. It's it's such a weird thing because anybody in the White House that is, for I know we refer to the Kennedys specifically as like our, you know, royalty. But I mean, it's the closest thing to royalty in our country when you are in the White House. So, and you're, and just like royalty, these kids are growing up and coming from generational wealth yeah and privilege beyond um so and then you know it just i like that she was real and i don't think anything she did was malicious like intentionally I malicious? think that she was malicious. Really? I think that there are times when she was mean to be mean. Right. That um, yeah. I don't think she was evil. 
(laughs) But I do think that there are plenty of times where she was mean for the sake of being mean because it was more interesting. The more interesting part is problematic. Uh, The mean to be mean thing is part of being a teenager. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, I get that. It's. Yeah. I. Oh, such a good. I knew bits and pieces of Alice. I did not know all of that. And I love all of it. (laughs) I just want to read more. That's so much fun. So much fun. Um. I am going to start with princesses, well, a princess, and then talk about, like, a royal affliction. Uh, Ooh. So I'm going to start out with Princess Alexandra Amelie of Bavaria. Yes, yes, yes. So the princess was a member of the House of Weitelsbach, the eighth child and fifth daughter of Ludwig I of Bavaria, and his his wife, I am sorry, uh, Therese of Saxe-Hildeburghausen, born on August the 26th of 1826. My goodness, that is, um, I mean, I guess... She wasn't a Habsburg, or maybe she was. They all kind of were. (laughs) Um, So not much is written of her youth, which is a little sad. But I suspect that that has to do with, like, a bunch of different factors. I mean, we're talking the time period, the fact she was female, and her family in general has a lot going on. Like, Stefan would have a field day with this family. Because it has everything. Yeah, I'm everything. I'm making the the face and hand yes. gesture for those of you who cannot read my mind. There is beer riots. Her dad had to abdicate the throne. Like, there's just all kinds of shit going on. Uh, and it was really hard not to stray off the path and go on all that. But we're we're focusing. I'm focusing on her. So, all right. what is known about her early years is that she was known for her great beauty. And her extreme intelligence. She... So she would have gotten along with Alice, probably. Oh, they would have, they would have, oh my god, they would have made for a rather interesting pair. Uh, Wait, weren't they the same time period? When did you say she was born? 1826. All right, so, a so I mean, time. they were not, yeah. um, but not too far. They were certainly alive at the same time. Right, right. So she was also known for being just a touch quirky in that she was obsessed with cleanliness and would only wear white clothing oh muffin as someone with actual ocd oh yeah i know so that sucks despite her beauty and maybe in spite of her intelligence alexandra would never marry Uh, At one point, Prince Lucien Bonaparte, which is now the infamous Napoleon's cousin, Ah. sought her hand in marriage, but her dad refused as the prince was divorced. So he 
he used his concern for Alexandra's, air quote, delicate health to deny him. Oh, no. So, uh, you know, some call it delicate health. Some may call it the family curse. You see, the Bavarian royal family alone had many members who suffered from various psychological issues that ranged from being a bit eccentric to downright mad. Yeah, they they do not have a great track record. They do not, um, you know, <laughs> specifically. Right. Uh, and of course, this was at a time that mental health total mystery. Um, so it was around the age of twenty three, uh, and she was still living at home, and a great scandal broke out and <laughs> involving her father. The king, who was like the least stealthy adulterer ever. <laughs> he bestowed several titles and vast fortunes on his mistress, Irish actress and dancer Marie Dolores Eliza Rosanna Gilbert. Hot damn. Who was better known as Lola Montez. And oh my uh -huh. God, Lola had quite a fucking life. Like, definitely look her up. She was also gorgeous. Although, her painting, if you take a painting of her and a painting of Alexandra and put them together, they look a little too close, uh, uh, in my opinion, for comfort. Um, well, maybe it looked like Alexandra's mom. Oh, that's true. Uh, but then why I mean, did she know something that looks like your own That wife? is one of those weird things where kind of doesn't necessarily occur to you when you think someone's a little too close that actually they're a little too close to the person that they procreated with right. not necessarily their offspring uh, but absolutely look up lola if you're looking for like she yeah she lived quite the life ended up in california at one point it's it's pretty fun um so it was shortly after that scandal broke out that alexandra who had already had been like a somewhat fragile, high-strung lady, started to mm. be observed kind of creeping stealthily along the corridors of the palace and turning <laughs> herself sideways to walk through doors. Uh, oh. Yeah. When her parents determined that this was weird even for her, and like finally like, I mean, did she turn into Zoidberg or something? I, I'm confused. Well, when the, did she have like body dysmorphia and think she was too wide for the door? Uh, something like that. So when they finally asked her about it, the princess informed them that she had just realized that when she was but a child, she swallowed a grand piano made of glass. And was now terrified that if she bumped into anything or was even just jostled a bit or squeezed too hard, that the piano, which she was convinced remained wholly intact, would shatter into a million pieces and kill her. Oh. Yeah, right? Uh, it is actually rumored that... Uh, 
when she tried, when she had to throw up one day, her servants tried to trick her by throwing a miniature piano into her puke to show her she finally got rid of it. Mm. I, I mean, that's honestly kind of sweet. Right? Which I think is super endearing oh. and rather smart. That poor kid. Uh, it, however, did not work. Uh, no. Now, this may seem like utterly absurd, but she's not far off with many other royals and something that I'll get into in a bit known as the glass delusion. Um, mm. But I think that it's important before we jump into that, that I know that she was much more than her mental health. Like, mm-hmm. Alexandra's dance card was, you know, pretty much completely empty prior to this. So uh, it's not surprising that she'd end up appointed uh, abbess of the royal chapter for ladies of St. Anne in Munich and Würzburg. This was oh. a religious community specifically for noble ladies. So <laughs> despite not having a man and having a glass piano inside her, she actually went on to live a really great life. In fact, in 1852, Alexander began a literary career. Hmm. Her first book of stories was entitled Weihnachtsrosen, Christmas Roses. Mm-hmm. The next year, she published what translates into Memories, Thoughts, and Essays. In 1856, she published Field Flowers. The Mm -hmm. proceeds of which she donated to the Maximilian Orphanage. Uh, In 1858 uh, appeared Fantasie und Lebensbalder, Daydreams and (laughs) Biological Sketches, a collection of loose translations into German from English and French. In 1862, she produced a loose translation into German of some of the romances of Eugenia Foa. The following mm. year appeared Thautropfen, which is Dewdrops, a collection of stories translated into German from French as well as others of her own. It, I mean, that's that's cool. I wonder if being in the structure of having the role of an abbess and having very specific things that you were supposed to do at specific times in specific places made there be less um, room for being unsure in her life and therefore like she could plan around that glass piano a bit better. That would make sense. And also she wasn't going to have to have sex with anybody. <laughs> true, true. Uh, that would make sense. Which I assume was a concern. Probably. I mean, she didn't want to be hugged too hard. So, I mean, I can't imagine sex would really I mean, jostle you. I don't imagine she wanted to do it or appropriate. Right. Um, it's also... That baby would break a piano. Right. It's also not clear as to whether the affliction, for lack of a better way of putting it, carried on through the rest of her life. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that a lot of her later life is just focused on... Like, that she literally, so in, that was just part of what she did. In 1870, she produced uh, Das Kinder Theater, the children's theater. 
which was a German translation of French children's plays from Arnaud de Quan, L'Ami des Fonts. The same year appeared, uh, she just book after book after book, and she did translations from German to French. She did her own writing um, and did tons and tons of charity work. Um, I wonder if she uh, founded the Kindertheater in Munich. It's possible. Because it's very old um, puppet-specific, like, marionette Mm -hmm. theater with uh, a very, very old collection of stories. Which makes sense, because marionettes are French, are they not? So... I mean, that... Yes. So, she... I find it super impressive that she went on to accomplish so much... And that she is accoladed for it because, again, looking at the time period and the fact that she is a woman, you know, women authors were not generally praised. And I just think it's really cool. Um, Alex, this is another thing that's a little weird. Uh, Alexandra died on the 21st of September in 1875. She was not very old. She was only 49. Um, hmm. It was also the same day that her brother, Prince Adelbert, died. But I, I was unable to find a cause of death for either her or her brother. Hmm. So um, I'm not sure what happened there. I mean, obviously, they're not living in the same place. But uh, it's just seems it seems really weird. And 49, even though it is that time period, 49 seems a bit young. Um but then again, you know, she did have that glass piano going on, so. So who knows? Yeah. Uh, hmm. So, Alexandra, or, let me go back. Uh, so I felt it really important to point out that she was, like, much more than her family and, like, the odd purse of royals. Now, what Alexandra yeah. suffered from pretty much falls under, like I said, the glass delusion which is a psychiatric phenomenon in which people believe that they are made of glass and liable to shatter. Right. People who suffer it from it go to extraordinary lengths to protect themselves, as Alexandra did. They wear special... That must be terrifying. Right? They wear special clothing, surround themselves with soft objects such as cushions, pillows, quilts, and often allow, don't allow people to come close to them. Alexandra seemed to be alone, though, in believing that she swallowed a glass piano. Usually, people who suffered from the glass delusion typically believe the bodies themselves were made of glass or that parts of their bodies are made of glass. Um, and hmm. it's, it, it was an affliction that seemed to strike royalty more than any others. Uh, one of the first recorded and probably the most famous to suffer from the delusion was King Charles VI. Charles ascended the throne of France at the age of 11. He was handsome, uh, charismatic, and he spearheaded reform efforts after taking over from his corrupt eight regents in 1388. He streamlined the royal bureaucracy and surrounded himself with super enlightened advisors. And all this earned him the nickname Charles the Beloved. But in 1392, also at the age of 23, which I find interesting, uh, 
he suffered a psychotic break believed to be the first manifestation of schizophrenia schizophrenia Hmm. as we know now tends to become most evident in the early 20s which right you know which is again it's interesting that both alexandra and charles were 23 at the time that things kind of flipped uh so uh, yeah he was then uh, led to like sporadic violent episodes and periods of inertia and confusion for like the rest of his life. And mm. then Charles the Beloved soon became known as Charles the Mad. Uh, allegedly, the king had spells where he believed his body was made entirely of glass. To keep himself from shattering, Charles would lay motionless for hours and hours wrapped in piles of thick blankets and when he did have to move he did so in a special garment which included iron ribs to protect his glass organs which is a little weird to me because i'm like if i put i you would think that iron would shatter glass but also though that's what real ribs are for right um i guess he thought that was glass too yeah like that's the thing like it's not uh, over the next few centuries, the delusion spread to the courts, monasteries, and the University of Europe. According to researcher Gil Speak, who wrote the definitive paper on the glass delusion in 1990, André Dulon, French physician of Henry IV of France, recorded of another sufferer with the glass delusion, this time a high-ranking member of a leading loyal, royal family, that noble man believed that he was not a human made of flesh and blood, but actually a glass face. According to Duleron, the nobleman... Wait, just a face? Just a face. Uh, according to Duleron... Did you say vase face or face? Face, like V-A-S-E that you put some like... Oh, yeah, like, like the container. Container. I thought you meant like... Nope face <laughs> no it's even weirder than that that's even weirder okay and according to Duleron, the nobleman again highly intelligent well-spoken capable of conversing fluently about many subjects which is a trend amongst those with the affliction but because his, his glass delusion was so severe he insisted on lying in a room filled with straw so that his body would not shatter his physician struggled to treat him without success. One day, uh, after this had gone on for like several months, uh, the doctor, this is so messed up. The doctor ordered Uh-oh. that the straw in the room be set on fire and the door to his room locked with the nobleman trapped inside. Terrified, the nobleman rushed to the door beating on it with his fist while demanding to be allowed out. The physician on the other side of the door pointed out to him that he was beating on the door violently and yet had not shattered. That's not how delusions work, Doc. However, this actually finally worked. The royal allegedly... That's great. Allegedly cried... Open, I'm begging you, my friends and dearest servants, because I don't think I'm a glass vase, but just the most miserable of all men, especially if you will let this fire put an end to my life. So. Wow. That's kind of extreme. Right? Like, I, 
I hope. Don't set people on fire. I hope he punched him. I hope he got out and was like, now that I'm not like glass, let me just break my fist on your face. Well, I thought that's where that was going. I thought the doctor <laughs> was going to get frustrated and punch him in the right. face. You're like, look, you didn't, you didn't break. Mm-hmm. So glass delusion, somewhat oddly, uh, was, again, something that only the upper classes suffered from. Famous sufferers included nobility, royalty, and renowned scholars. The glass delusion was first recorded by physicians in the Middle Ages and became quite common for a while before virtually dying out, like, hmm. bizarrely. Although in 2015, there was a psychiatrist in the Netherlands that had encountered a patient suffering from it. But basically, nobody knows where it came from or why it mostly disappeared, but that it plagued the lives of those that suffered it. So it's unclear, again, why only upper echelons of society suffered from this particular uh, ailment. But there and there have been... I mean, because they had the time and leisure to have it. Right. Uh, and there are theories why also genetics right so um, genetics um also at that time glass was a precious novelty uh and so it was mm. super expensive that was only found in royal places such as you know churches houses nobility um ali shaw who wrote the girl with the glass feet theorizes that the glass delusion and i quote might simply be at the extreme end of a scale of social anxiety which many of us experience to a lesser consent extent. The fear of tripping and breaking is really an exaggerated fear of social humiliation. I mean, I... Now, this is just speaking from someone who has autism and sensory-related issues. I can absolutely understand getting enough into your head that it would sincerely feel like something awful was going to happen to your body if you did a certain thing. Mm -hmm. Like, I happen to have a very, very, very big problem with my armpits. Okay. I cannot have things bunched up in there if anybody sees me I will be constantly moving my sleeves because I if I can feel them then it starts feeling like all of the circulation is going to be cut off of in my arms and then my arms start going numb like none of this is real none of it's happening armpits are weird though well they are weird but I mean I can it happens on one side of my hip also like it's just a like I know that's not what's happening but I can have a panic attack about it and so I I feel like that is not dissimilar like it's sort of like OCD and um sensory processing issues smashed together in a really stressful way and nobody knows how to deal with it. Right. Because nobody knows what it is. And they're... And I mean, this is just my guess, obviously. And the royalty were treated as though they were made of glass. They were treated right. like precious objects. So there's... I mean, it's very easy to see 
and connect all the dots from from afar where we've gone through you know learning about the brain and mental health and all that so much more um it also does um somewhat back up the whole fine line between genius and sanity um because the people that are higher intelligent um but it is also incredibly interesting to me that it just disappeared. That it was just during this certain time period that that one thing was a thing. Um, it reminds me of St. Vitus dance. Mm. Well, isn't that what the dancing plague is called? I think so. So... Professor Edward Shorter, who is a historian of psychiatry from the University of Toronto, uh, he suggests that it is relative, it is the relative newness of glass, clear glass, as a material in the 17th century Europe, which holds the key to understanding the disorder. Throughout history, Shorter mm. argues, the inventive unconscious mind has pegged its delusions onto new materials and the technological advances of the age. Before the glass delusion, however, some people were convinced that their body was made of earthenware and liable to be shattering. In, Interesting. Okay. In 19th century, after the invention of cement, there was the cement delusion where people believed their bodies or organs were made of cement. Now, in contemporary... That I've heard of. Now, yeah. in contemporary times, people suffer delusions such as the fear that technology can read their minds. <laughs> so it's confusing yes. as to why the glass delusion reappeared in 2015 and there's like there's no reason as to why someone should believe they're made of glass as i would expect the delusion to be that you are a robot that you are artificial right 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 um because glass is no longer expensive or new or a novelty uh Psychoanalyst Adam Phillips believes hmm. that it is perfectly plausible as to why the glass delusion should reappear in society. He argues that, quote, the glass delusion has a powerful contemporary resonance in a society in which anxieties about fragility, transparency, and personal space are pertinent to many people's experience of and anxieties about living in the modern world, end quote. Uh, hmm. So Princess Alexandra... Charles VI and most other people who suffered from the glass delusion had many things in common. There were people who were considered to be highly strong, unable to cope with the pressures of public life, and trying to absorb the impact of it as best as they could. They were also, again, highly intelligent and intuitive and sensitive people. Alexandra seemed mm -hmm. to exhibit many obsessive tendencies that would certainly classify her as a sufferer of OCD in modern times. Uh, and she also lived though a very full and successful life albeit you know one that was shorter than most would hope but you know it was the times and it's sure. also unclear like i said whether or not her glass delusion persisted through her entire life as king charles's did but uh, i propose the theory that it's also kind of an evolving trauma response um hmm. especially with um I mean, Alexandra's family, I mean, and genetics of that family, that whole, whew, 
<laughs> yeah, that's a whole bag of squirming kittens. Right, and again, schizophrenia is believed to be somewhat genetic as well. So very genetic. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot in there, but I love the fact again that she had this. I I find it interesting that uh, it was grand piano like an entire grand piano and how she would have swallowed that as a child and then just realized it when she was 23 like it's interesting to me that she how she differed from everybody else with the glass illusion not that she was made of it but that this glass object was inside of her but maybe it grew with her possibly um and that it went up. I need to know more about this glass piano. Right? Was it playable? Um, I just, I still love that they, they tried to toss a little piano in a pile of her puke. <laughs> like, look, you did I it. do think that that is sweet. It is. Uh, but. but I also, again, love that she, that somehow historians managed to preserve more of the like good versus freaky or weird or you know what i mean like it just yeah that history did her okay um which is not yeah i'm surprised by that because the things that were quote wrong were so interesting Mm -hmm. but it could also just be the power of royalty to suppress something like that yeah. being talked about all over, all the time. Well, I mean, they had enough going on with her dad, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> had enough happening. So, yeah. That's our story of, uh, my story, rather, of Princess Alexandra. Poor thing with her glass piano and the glass delusion. Uh the princesses are not okay? They are not okay. Bless them. Bless them. It's true. So, speaking of um, terrible things <laughs> that may or may not happen. Yes. How do you especially not want to die this week? That is right. It is the weekly worst way to die. Uh, anyth- da, da, da. Anything involving shards of glass. Glass. I have gotten glass stuck in me, and that shit hurts. It hurts. It hurts a lot. I don't like Uh, it. Yes, I understand. Um, I think mine this week is going to be a surprise boa constrictor at a ball. (laughs) Was it Elizabeth Spinach or Emily Spinach? Emily Emily Spinach. Spinach. I really think it was a garter snake, um, because apparently its name came from uh, spinach being the color green, and Emily, I think, being an especially skinny aunt of hers, and the snake was long and skinny. That is amazing. Yeah. I love that. I think that's probably my favorite White House pet. (laughs) I was a pretty big fan of socks. Yeah, that's true. Ugh. Good times, good times. So, indeed. Do you want to be spooky, internet friends? 
You can find us. Yeah, all right. <laughs> you can find us at Bones and Bobbins on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, Tiki Talks, which we haven't done yet, but eventually will. Basically, all across the internets. <laughs> or you can just visit us at bonesandbobbins.com. That's true. And don't forget to rate and review this podcast. Yes. Because it pleases the internet gremlins, and that's how we show up in recommendations so that other people, who are also morbid souls, can find us. Bring forth the morbid souls! Yes, please. Hmm. And on that note, let us leave you with some advice that you should never forget. Lock your doors. And don't run with scissors. <laughs> or snakes. <laughs> also snakes. Yay! Each episode of the Bones and Bobbins podcast is written and researched by Haley Pearson Cox and Natalie Hoyce. Our music was composed by Loyalty Freak Music. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Bones and Bobbins. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Spotify or check us out wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts so you won't miss a minute of our strange and creepy content.